Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of just kicking this earth to the side and saying, I want a whole brand new planet. Who's coming with me? Does it come in blue? It comes in blue. It comes in green, pink, purple, orange, any color you want, actually. I like the ones that come in lava. They're much more colorful. Yeah, it's so (laughs) And And it is a many splendored thing. Yes. All right. So, you know, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, in, in the PC gaming and, the and of course, the console gaming, uh, there's been a lot of games that have come out. And, of course, there's a big one about to be released in September uh, about basically going to other worlds, setting up bases, setting up colonies, being, you know, uh, spreading empires out and things like that. And, and, and there have always been games like that, okay? But... Most of these games didn't spend an awful, unless you were doing a real-time strategy game, didn't spend an awful lot of time basically talking about the colonies themselves, okay? They were, you know, just basically pieces toward your, um, uh, I, I guess, you know, completions, uh, win, you know, the, the winning rank you needed in order to beat everybody else in the game. Okay, rarely, you know, did we spend a lot of time, unless, of course, this was like one of the number one places that you were supposed to spend time, and then the game designers would give you a lot of information about that one colony. So, but we wanted to talk a little bit more in general about them and what kind of colonies there could be. Now, uh, so... uh, other, you know, so uh, we'll just go ahead and get Jonathan going right here and and say, other than the standard putting a colony on a moon or on a planet, what are our, what are our other options? Well, you've got some of those classic, classic like space stations, but unless you want to have your people, you know, lose their bone density to zero G or, or low G, usually uh, the most common concept I've seen for a space habitat is what's called the O'Neill Cylinder. Hmm. And before I go any further, let me say that a lot of my knowledge comes from this excellent YouTuber called Isaac Arthur, and he has a show called Science and Futurism with Isaac Arthur. And he goes over all sorts of far-future concepts, not-so-far-future concepts, and he has numerous episodes about space habitats and space colonization and space mining. Um, So that's it. Back to an O'Neill cylinder. It is what it sounds like. It is a giant cylinder orbiting a star or a planet, whatever you want to orbit with it, that is rotating. So it's providing gravity to all the the, the people inside of it. And you just make it large enough and wide enough and long. Well, you can make it honestly however long you want, but you make it enough, you know, a, a large enough diameter that you can spin it at a fairly comfortable rate and still have one G of perceived gravity. Just put a few holes in there or mirrors to reflect sunlight in, and you've got a nice little habitat there, complete with weather, 
You can have fields. You can use it as a farming habitat. You can use it as industry, whatever you want to use it for. Well, then what is the diameter that it would have to be in order to provide 1G? That is what I've got to look back up. But I think, well, part of it's going to depend on how big and how fast. But I think, yeah, um, according to the font of all knowledge, Wikipedia, uh, <laughs> uh, NASA did a study around 1970, and the habitat seemed feasible um, even in very large sil- uh, from cylinders, five miles in diameter to 20 miles long. And let's see here. I was looking to see. I, I, I guess a big part of it's going to be how fast it spins. If you want it to, of course, the larger the diameter, the, you know, the slower, it has to, the slower, well, the slower it would spin. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the, the, there is a, there is sort of a lower limit in the sense of if it's too small, and not even considering just the speed. If it's too small, you'll you'll get like motion sickness and right. Well, because there'll be too much of a difference between the perceived gravity at your head versus your feet. Right. Yeah. So there's been okay. So looking quickly, looking at other options, though, there have been other concepts that have ranged from like 250 meti- uh, meters in radius. 250 meters. Yeah. That seems very small to um, me. I'm seeing here, Jonathan, at the radius described by O'Neill, the habitats would have to rotate about 28 times an hour to simulate 1G gravity, an angular velocity of 2.8 degrees per second. Yeah. Right. Because um, lower you get motion sickness due to Coriolis forces. Right. Wow. Well, the, the, the 250 meter wide, that we're talking now the discovery in 2001. And we're also talking about uh, two other shows, uh, both similar, where they had like a, an arm on each end and a pod, and you know, and people yeah. people would spend their sleeping time or their rest time in those pods, mostly laying down or exercising on bikes or things like that, you know. Uh, and then when they moved out into the main part of the ship, they were in zero g. Right. Yeah. When they because yeah, that's one thing is as you get approach the center of the cylinder your gravity will lower yeah well yeah and so and so yeah you you, the entire center is zero g and that's part of what causes some of the unique weather effects within them yeah and and, and by the way that's a big advantage because when you're trying to dock a spaceship with with any kind of a space station or another ship that's rotating you really want to come in on the center line where you know you're not going to get slung up against the side or grab onto (laughs) it and 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 whipped around like a you know like a ball uh, like a child's uh uh whistle favor or something like that you know um you know, it, it's really bad to try to grab the outside of a spinning cylinder. However, it's super, super good for launching vehicles like the uh, on Babylon 5 and the, um, uh, the Star Furies. Man, they just let the clamps go and poof, they were fired out into space. Yeah, it's getting flung out at well, equivalent of, well, to the passengers 1, 1G, but yeah, yeah, and then all you got to do is boost from there. And yeah. you're not... You're not having to escape a gravity well, or at least not a gravity well of any real. <laughs> well, real it just strength. depends on where where you're going to. Yeah. If you're in orbit around a planet, you're going to have to escape a gravity well to get away from the planet. Yeah. Right. But right. if once you're already if you're already in, in in orbit around you know attached to one of these O'Neill cylinders, then yeah, you've already done most of the work. Okay. 
We'll say yes. Yeah, because you're launching from zero G. Yeah, you're, it's or not zero G. Zero it's, G. It's, you're in orbit around the planet, which means that your forward velocity, can, you know, angular velocity, cancels out the gravitational force at that orbital level. It's, right. It's yeah. not like it doesn't exist. Okay. You, so. you don't have to worry about fighting the planet's, you know, sea level gravity. Yeah. 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 Right. But still. Yeah, you do still have to fight a good gravity, especially depending on if if you're going in a direction counter to your your orbital velocity. Yeah, orbital velocity. But but yeah, it it would make it would require less fuel than a ground. Well, this is also one of the reasons why uh, they they talk about putting these kinds of colonies at Lagrange points. Trav, you know what a Lagrange Mm -hmm. point is? Uh, It's five places because we have L1 through L5. I think there's one like between the earth and the moon and there are certain ports around the earth. Yes. I'm somewhat familiar with them. I mean, not the scientific aspects of them, but I have heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much, yeah, it's any, it's the five points between any two gravitational bodies where the force of gravity between the two bodies is equal. So yeah, we have a earth moon Lagrange points. We have earth sun Lagrange points. Right. Yeah. And the point is, is that those positions, then then boosting from there is relatively e- a lot easier to do because the other plants are kind of helping you resist the gravity of the closest body to you. And so you if you send off in the right direction, you is is relatively cheap as far as energy is concerned to to move into a different uh, trajectory. Mm-hmm. And so, the, uh, you also have the advantage that those those points are the most stable because the, the gravity from the two forces are kind of keeping you in place. They're kind of both pulling you to the same point. Uh, well, by stable, you mean you don't have to spend energy staying in that particular orientation. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, it's not like your ship is is, is would be rented <laughs> other places. Okay. No. You know, it just means that you don't have to spend as much for orbital correction. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because there's a reason why our um, uh, our, our the the uh, space station, the International Space Station, is so close to the Earth is because they wanted it inside the Van Allen Belt. Yeah. So that it would provide protection against solar radiation. These Lagrange points are all farther out, oh, and yeah. therefore you're more susceptible to receiving uh, solar flare damage and other types of things like that. Cosmic rays, gamma. Yeah. 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 The biggest problem is the solar flares because that's the closest oh, yeah. thing to us. And, you know, and of course, you know, it is, you know, if you're lucky, you know, the, the solar flare hits while, you know, your ship is behind the earth and the whole earth acts like a shield for you, but more likely that's not going to happen. Yeah, any 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 orbital habitat is going to need some shielding. All right. So, what besides um, a, a O'Neill cylinder are you considering to be a good a good place to have a uh, um, to to have a colony? Well, one thing is uh, I can't remember the exact term for it, unfortunately, but I know that there is a like taking this the concept of an O'Neill cylinder up one notch um, is where you can connect, like say two O'Neill cylinders end to end when maybe just have a, like a little airport between or, you know, air lock between them. And you can just go on in a chain around whatever body you're orbiting. And it'll be like a, I think it's called a Taurus world possibly, that but would, it's a that would chain. Be enormous. It, oh yeah, it would be. 
but it, it 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 wouldn't require as much material as say a you know ring world or a dyson sphere would it be a bishop ring I think that's slightly different. That's like a miniature ring world, from my knowledge, if I'm correct. I could be wrong. Okay, I've never heard of it before, but so I can't comment. McKendry on it. cylinder, maybe. Okay. Type of hypothetical rotating how, how, space. How about it? anything else? Well, then the other things that come to mind are the classic, like ring worlds, and then uh, the Dyson spheres. Well, um, those are still those are the ones. Essentially, you're talking about an artificial world. Right. Uh, yeah. Once you get to that level, you are. Yeah, what right. I definitely call it. What do you think about having a colony on the accretion ring around a black hole? Risky. Why, why it would be? Why I mean, would it be a lot risky? of energy? A lot of energy. If you're the closer you are, of course, not even considering gravity. Well, let's assume you're you're you know you're going fast enough. But yeah, the closer you are to the event horizon, the more high energy particles you're getting bombarded with. Even if you're flying with them, you're still getting hit by them. Well, why are you getting hit by them? Where is that? Where are they coming from? They're not coming from the black hole. They're coming from all the matter and that has been floating in around the black hole. If you could find a, a relatively new black hole that maybe, you know, shot away most of its and uh, most of its you know planetary neighbors, if it you know had a solar system, you might be fine. But it's going to depend on the, the black hole itself. If if it has an accretion disk, that I mean that that's what that is is all the particles from the space around it coming in and flying you know swirling around it and picking up speed and getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Well, yeah, I mean as they jostle with each other, they do do that. But it also means that you have uh, you also have like larger bodies you know of rock. They don't have to be like just you know sand sized. Okay, and they're close enough no. to each other that you actually could have, you know, like a whole string of, uh, of of bodies that you could go from one to the other, right? Yeah, again, it's just, if you're, again, just depending on how close you are to the event horizon, you're going to find the the ambient space around you more and more crowded with just high-energy particles. Well, so you that, know, if you that can will get require to, more shielding. If you can, first of all, if you can get to a black hole, first of all, you have faster than light travel. And yeah, probably. So yeah. we're already talking <laughs> yeah. about we're already talking about yeah. you know what the tech level was at least seven, right? Right, Travis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so yeah. you know, we're You're probably yeah probably safe to assume you have some sort of protection then, yeah. You know, shielding, whatever, and all those high energy particles might actually be you might be able to absorb them and use them to power your defenses. So oh that's what God! I would there's assume. a term to, a term for uh, ram scoop. Would that be possible? Yeah, yeah, well, the buzzard ram scoop idea is going if you go fast enough to uh, the speed of light. Okay, then interstellar hydrogen that's just floating out there. Basically, as you run your ship into it, gets cost. You know, basically, just you collect it. It's like you know, uh, you, you could be standing outside and you'd be hitting it like a drop, 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 drop. It doesn't seem like much, but you get in your car and go 60 miles an hour. It's like a downpour is hitting your car because you're literally running into the the, the uh, raindrops. They don't have time to fall all the way down to the ground. You're hitting three to four, five or six raindrops when you normally would only be hit by one. So yeah, the ram scoop is moving forward. It's concentrating the hydrogen. If you know, either by the concentration itself, it gets um, enough compression that it starts fusing on its own, or it just gets collected enough that it serves as an ongoing source of hydrogen for fusing. That's a buzzard ram scoop from Larry Niven fame. I, at least that's where I learned it from. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just 
hopefully you can check my math. And just a, as a, let's say we are parked near that black hole with whatever mega structure we have there that we want to be on the side. Could that ram scoop be positioned enough? And again, folks, if you know me, you know my sciences. That's why I'm asking questions. Let's say you have the ram scoop positioned counterclockwise, you know, opposite the force of the spin. So you can just move the station over, pick up some material, and it gets converted to energy, whatever these particles are. Yeah, lots of, um, of black holes suck in, like, you know, uh, hydrogen from various sources, especially neighboring stars. If you're in a, a star system that has multiple stars, a lot of times black holes are sucking. But, of course, that's going to be very hot. But, again, you're assuming that you have the technology able to deal with things like that. Yeah, you're absorbing particles and everything. Yeah, just yeah. To, yeah. But there are a lot of hydrogen, you know, be coming in. You oh know, yeah, and if and if the uh, uh, if this is a solar system in collapse, and you're basically sucking off all the hydrogen from the gas giants, then yeah, why not dip? Why not dip your 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 cup into the water as you go yeah, along? That, that, yeah, and and, and take a yeah, drink just, from it. Yeah, just you you put that cup in, and the flow of the river just hits right into the cup and just sucks it in. Oh, we have energy now. Yeah, I was just wondering if that could be. At the edge of a black hole, could that be done? Yeah, that's the reason I was oh, saying. Yeah. It seemed to me like it would be a very resource-rich area because yeah, it's, yeah. it's pulling in everything from a, a long w a way away. And, you know, as long as you have the capacity to get away from it eventually, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, and you and maybe your culture is fine with, uh, you know, one hour being equal to a year somewhere else, you know. I mean, like there was an interstellar, you know, it's, could be perfectly fine. You know, this is weird things happen when you get to relativistic speeds. Uh, yeah. Time dilation, all that right. stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what else do you got, uh, Jonathan? So, uh, yeah. So if you've got, well, you're kind of approaching with that, I think kind of approaching like the purposes of having space habitats because you have, you know, just straight habitation, you know, place just an extra place to put people where you could have like farms. Okay, are we? So you're saying park. you want to move on to why have a colony? Yeah, because I think at this point, I, aside from like the O'Neill cylinder, and th the term I was looking for was it, when you collected like a chain of them together as a topopolis. Okay, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> if anyone actually wants to look it up online, uh, yeah, okay, that's a terrible name. I mean, it is, but apparently <laughs> that is the term they're going with. Um, and then, like, uh, the other ones I've heard of are, so, like... Someone again, play like me this. a rendition of pop music in the background. <laughs> pop music. Pop, 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 pop. pop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the song pop, Popcorn, the bump, 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 Oh, that, too. Uh, yeah. You know, and for... And for and, and let's let's do the... Uh, uh, what is it? The, the banana splits for... for <laughs> And 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 then just just bring in the yakety sacks as 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 the kicker, right? You know. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. There you are. Okay. Uh, but um, the other types you could have, you could uh, there's sort of the classic hollowing out an asteroid or okay. small planetoid, you know, and just that way your shielding's already made in in place for you. All you right. got to yeah. do is so you know, like what they did in um, the expanse with uh, Eros. I haven't seen that yet. I need to get that. Oh my to, gosh! I hear good things about that. I hear good things. I just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's very good. I'm I'm surprised you have it. Um, it's yeah. got five seasons, and uh, so yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, they they um, uh, you know they they hollowed out basically they 
they hollowed out Eris, and uh, it became the jewel of the, um, uh, well, basically, you know, I, I hate to use the word asteroid belt because that doesn't actually exist. Okay, you know, it'd be great if you actually yeah. went to a solar system where an asteroid belt actually existed. You know, like like the early concepts were, where literally it was like it was like going from island to island in the South Pacific. You know, yeah, like might really be, dense and yeah. and you yeah. could almost hop from one to another with hardly any effort. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there, there was a little bit of difference. It might take you, let's say, a week to go from one, you know, one major cluster of of, of them to other, you know, but it was certainly doable. It wasn't like it is for real where we're talking of distances of millions of miles between large enough to be worthwhile structures. This is why most people are like, well, why can't we just go and, you know, mine um, uh, Saturn because it's got all those rings that are made out of ice and rock and stuff like that, you know? And they're going away, by the way. It's going to take millions of years, but they are supposedly they yeah. are all going to go away. So, well, in, in the premise that they're in the uh, within the Roche limit, and you know the part of the the planets' uh, orbits that are unstable, and that's why they're rocks and not moons. Right. The Roche limit is the idea that when a uh, a body, uh, you know, like a moon, okay, gets close enough to a planet. Okay, the gravity of the planet literally uh, causes the uh, uh, the moon to break up. Okay, uh, yeah, and yeah. do, do you know what that limit is uh, on Earth? I I used to know. It's, it's about eighteen thousand miles. Okay, yeah. So is you know. And so people, a lot of times on the internet, will say things like, "Well, what if the moon was two hundred thousand miles closer?" And the answer is. It would be, it would be relatively fine. It wouldn't break up. It's, it's outside the Roche limit, okay. But the the interaction between the moon's gravity and the Earth's gravity would be very bad for both of them. Okay? Tides would be just a hundred times higher. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we'd be done. Okay. Uh, I would have ocean constant have, earthquakes, level, volcanism. At, yeah, level, I would say we would probably still be a lava planet. <laughs> No, no, you wouldn't be a lava planet. Okay, you would have you'd have volcanism. Okay, there the the air would of course be you know, the sky would be black because of all the mm -hmm. ash and stuff that was in it. There would be constant earthquakes. All right, but you know no way that plants could grow. All right, and the moon itself would probably be lava. Okay, mm -hmm. because there's a lot more <laughs> gravity on Earth than there is in the moon. But anyways, it's smaller too. It's you know and. Uh, but this thing, this, be, this could happen. Spinning by fast. Yeah, it this, wouldn't this, be. And and the latest ideas, by the way, as for how the moon was created, was is that they believe that another planet, unnamed, crashed into the Earth. Actually, I think they've they've kind of given it a name, unofficially at least. Dude, if you don't have the name, let's move on. <laughs> it's Thea. 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 Okay. Oh, okay. So uh, and it basically splashed all this. And we're talking about way before anything like life ever was near. This is back in the early cooling days. Splash all this matter up into orbit, okay, and where it coalesced into what we call the moon. So that's why we have a moon. And apparently, you know, and because it was a pretty big planet hitting us, we ended up with enough, you know, instead of it, now why it didn't turn into a whole bunch of small moons like you have in Jupiter and places like that? It probably has something to do with the size of the planet. I'm not sure. 
but uh, the, the, the the latest I've heard on it, and granted, I haven't dug too deep recently, but the latest I heard it was there. The scientists are saying it was like a Mars sized planet that they've, like I said, unofficially named Thea last I heard that probably hit at just the right angle so that most of Thea's mass glanced off the earth, but was captured and you know, became, you know, eventually it was, it was, you know, shattered, but it eventually reformed into the moon. But what was left got absorbed into the earth and made the earth bigger. And then we have earth and moon and moon. Okay. Okay. All right. Anyway. So, you know, <laughs> you know, where, where your moon is in comparison to the planet is orbiting is very important. So, um, this is, you know, why you don't have like, you know, like I say, why you don't have the moon right next to the earth, because we, I mean, you could, but then we wouldn't be here having this discussion. Life would have never developed, at least not life as we know it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, so hollowing out asteroids, okay, that's another possibility, you know, and even, you know, some of the larger moons, and like I say, and planets are, are good possibilities for this. Okay. So, all right, you know, we're assuming for this discussion, uh, you know, that faster than light travel exists and 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 as a set a corollary because sometimes it you know if you read novels sometimes it's not always true there's also some pretty good um uh, interstellar i mean sorry inter system uh engines going on you know in uh uh in the expanse they literally have um this souped up engine and they also have this fluid that they can pump into your body that basically makes you very resistant to high Gs. So people can basically boost around the solar system at like seven, 15 to 17 Gs and not Ooh. die. Okay, so it makes a, a big difference about getting from here to there. So, but that's that's part of the 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 thing for that. Now, you know, the, I don't think any. Uh, I, I applaud them for doing it. I personally wouldn't want to live that life. Very much <laughs> sounds <laughs> yeah. very unpleasant, um, yeah. but they didn't, you know. But they also didn't have, you know, like artificial gravity. You know, they had gravity boots that were just magnetics. All right. So another possibility that we haven't you haven't considered when you're talking about your spinning thing is, you know, is the uh, well, two things. One is artificial gravity, okay, which is something True. that is in FTL twenty four forty eight from TriTac and a lot of other games. I mean, most games almost. Automatically start off saying, "Yeah, you've got something like that." Okay. Yeah. The second thing, you know, John Ryer, of course, you know, screams, "Well, if you have gravity, then you have gravity. You know, you can control it. You can like make much better drives and things like that than fusion and other types of stuff." And I'm like, "Okay, okay, I'm not saying you're wrong." And of course, it it, it bears out on those tech levels that Trav talks about. Yeah, PL7 is the gravity age where the gravitic induction engine kicks in and. Faster than light travel goes from just ion torches and photon sails to, okay, we're now going to Alpha Centauri in a couple of days or whatever, as opposed to a year. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and of course, the weird thing, folks, is that, you know, these PL levels go up to nine. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. When we talk yeah. about nine, it's really crazy talk now. Uh, but, anyways, uh, so the other possibility, and this is the one that basically was adopted by most. People who cared about this back in the the in the sixties and the seventies and so forth was they said something is going to come out with a drug that basically 
makes you immune to these deleterious effects of being in zero G because there's nothing inherently wrong with being in zero G. You know, your eyeballs don't pop out. You know, your, your, your body doesn't suddenly start, you know, mutating into an alien organism. Okay. You, you suffer, your body is designed apparently to be in a 1G environment. And, and so it, without being in that, your muscles become atrophied, uh, bone density becomes less to the point where, you know, uh, if you're out in space for like a year, you know, you come back and you're like, you know, 90 year old person you know, uh, uh, with, with osteoporosis. So the idea was, well, what if there was like just this drug, you just take it like vitamins and you're fine. And that was what a lot of, 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 you know, space type things did. And it's a really easy fix. You know, like I said, you know, I mean, it's, it's a real problem in real life. Okay. Nobody's actually yeah. come up with that. Okay. But in, in, but in these games and such, it's really easy to say, oh yeah, you got, you know, you just take your, you know, um, GX, you know, yeah, like, yeah. that's yeah. the beauty of games. You can just hand wave yeah. it away, just like in Fallout. They got Rad X to make you resistant to the to the deleterious <laughs> effects of radiation. You got yeah. G Rex, you know, uh, uh, or Zero X to to Rad away. Well, Rad away basically takes away the damage, right? Yeah, but anyways, um, and so if you had that, basically, is you just you know, it's it's you you eliminated the problem. You know, and and you don't have to worry about it. So, uh, and that means that you can do all kinds of crazy things, like you don't have to, uh, you know, deal with these major things like building these big structures, like spinning, um, you know, uh, you could uh, O'Neill cylinders. You can actually live in very small ones. You know, like as you said, some of those asteroids. You know, which some of them are very small, relatively speaking. <laughs> They're about the size of, of, of a traditional South Sea Island. Yeah. I mean, unless you need the gravity for like manufacturing or something, then yeah, you really, you if you have that kind of tech, you don't really, or the kind of medicine, yeah, you don't really need to live in G. Right. And there's, and, and there are tons of resources out there uh, in in these on on moons low gravity moons and uh out in the quote asteroid belt you know not to mention water so that you know it's is 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 we were always talking about well you know there's a water shortage he says water shortage you know what are they going what are they going to do you know for water in space it's like we have more water in space than you do back here on the planet so it's like there's so much. I think yeah. isn't it isn't it the most common non single element like molecule like the most common molecule that isn't a single element? Uh, I, well, I think I heard that somewhere. Probably. I mean, I would. I mean, it would, wouldn't sulfur dio um, uh, sulfur dioxide? So, so you know, uh, uh, what what makes up rock? I uh, see. That's the thing, though, because I think since silicate, I'm just saying water, whatever silicate. silicate. I would think that would be more common, but I don't know. I mean, I haven't done it. You know, I, I don't know the, the facts on that. So, but anyways, the point is there's a lot of it. Okay. But in it, and the funny thing though is, is it becomes a bit of a, of a, of a resource war. And again, the show, the expanse. So I'm not going to talk more about that in case you guys, you know, all you guys who haven't watched it yet should probably go and, and watch and have fun with it uh, or read the books, which are better, even better. But, um, Anyways, uh, so yeah, you got these smaller things. All right. So that's basically the, I think that, you know, is there, can you think of anything more places that you'd have a colony than those without going truly obscurely weird? 
Yeah, yeah. Let's see here. We got space station type. You got a yeah. You literally uh, have a space you got station a asteroid type. Yeah. Uh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, not without going weird. <laughs> Large moons, small moons. Yeah, you know, yeah, we're not, not talking about going. floating. You know, fo- floating a colony on the top of the uh, uh, well, uh, like Jupiter. You know, up in the clouds. You know. Oh, okay. Oh, I was going to actually. Uh, that just reminded me. But, yeah. Okay. Fine. We won't talk about floating cities. Um, we won't talk about folds in space time that hide alternate universes. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well. Okay. So in. Uh, you know, so a, a, a you know a little callback to to TriTech. Like I said, we did do five episodes on this, uh, but uh, the interesting thing was is that those episodes were all about creating colonies on alternate Earths and on primes, which are basically souped up alternate Earths uh, in the fringeworthy game. So the idea was you always going to an Earth like planet, more or less, um, and uh, and setting up a colony there, and at which point it was like, okay, what kind of colony is it going to be? So you know, uh, one area of the of of the game which is almost entirely undeveloped is what's called the star platforms, where they have portals that go to stars. You know, with, uh, uh, within forty light years, and each uh, and each platform which has eight portals on it goes to eight different locations in a star's solar system. You know, and it is, and of course, if there's any, if there's any plants in the Goldilocks zone, you can be assured that at least one of those is going to go there. So, anyways, and basically, it was completely undeveloped. I mean, there's there's actually a list of the different stars uh, for um, the the primary, you know, set of of of, of uh, platforms, and nothing. Any other uh, in either you know anywhere else. So you know you've got a total of eight uh, eight stars that are listed. Okay, <laughs> so um, and that was it, wasn't it? Just the stars. That's it. Like, yeah, you know, there's no planets. Yeah, not so, even like but of course back then we did we could we didn't have the tech. I mean back when they first came out with this game in 1982, uh, 83, they didn't have the tech to be able to find stars in other solar systems. So it literally was like, okay, you've got this star, which means it's this hot, which means that the Goldilocks zone is going to be here. And so if you're going to put a planet that you're going to, people are going to be able to li- uh, live on, you know, unless, of course, they're just basically doing what they would be doing in our solar system, living in completely sealed habitats, uh, it's going to be at this distance from the star. And, you know, and, and, and and then you just build out from there. You know, you, you know, you, you, you decide whether it actually has a, you know, a, a habitat, you know, or it's just a rock, you know. And if it has a habitat, you know, what kind of, you know, uh, plants and animals does it have? How many legs does it have? Does it actually have intelligent people? What kind of societies do they have? What kind of uh, um, government do they have all, you know, all these kinds of things like that, which is all part of creating a world. And we're about to talk about that as far as putting colonies on those worlds. And so in the game, you were pretty much saying, okay, we're going to go and set up a colony. So, you know, and, and, and the powers that be go, go, assuming of course it's not easy peasy to do it, which of course in a game like Fringeworthy, where you literally can walk, <laughs> you know, to yeah. another world uh, through what, the maybe the, a, a day hike. 
Well, it was more than a day hike because it's 53 miles, uh, 49 miles between each of the platforms. It is at least right, four okay. platforms. So it's at least 200 miles. So, yeah, but you could you could do it as a you know a, a couple week journey if you wanted to hike it. I'd personally take a bike myself, yeah. you know, or draw you know if nobody would give me any support on this, I'd just take a bike, just ride yeah. out there, you know, find a find a you know a possible plan, and I could start my own little thing. Of course, you know, being all by yourself on an alien world sounds like a really cool deal, you know, but unless it literally you found the Garden of Eden, it's going to get nasty pretty fast. Yeah. And so, everyone read The Martian? <laughs> yes. Uh, I have not read it yet, but um, but there's a, I have like about a dozen <laughs> books that I've read halfway through uh, and haven't completed. Uh, and, 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 and likewise, I have like six video games that I have not completed. So, yeah. Anyways, well, at least I get these episodes edited or, you know, <laughs> with, your, with your kind help from my other hosts. Uh, Thank you. But the... Um, so, anyways, so we're going to say, hey... You know, let's just, you know, since we are talking about more than Fringeworthy, you know, how you get to the world is not terribly important. Okay. Uh, for our discussion, the more important questions are, you know, what we're going to talk about right now. So the very first question is, is it why have a colony? Okay. You know, uh, Trap, do you, do you have any ideas why to have a colony on a world? Well, you have different reasons and i mean i'm going to fall back on other fandoms and other games i've been on you know between robotech and the prime directive game which is basically star trek you often would have whole cultures just say oh okay we can find our own world to do our own thing pick up go you could have that with religions you could have that with ethnicities and cultures um so, yeah, it basically you could sit there and have either a colony that it's all Islamic or all um, Judaism or all Shinto or Buddhist or, you know, and just we live here. We don't have anybody bothering us. We have a self-sufficient society after a while. We're the good. Orson Scott Card method of colonization. Well, it sounds yeah. to me like what you're saying is, is that these groups all feel like they are at a disadvantage on earth yeah and therefore they want to you know treat this either as a reliquary for their faith or their beliefs okay or um yeah well basically that they're just they they want to go someplace where they can live their lives in peace uh without fear of of being you know killed you know and yeah. much the same you know much like when the um uh, the the Puritans came to America to escape uh, persecution in England, uh, we, and of course that's how we got the Pilgrims. But what most people don't mention is the fact is that you know 50 years earlier it was the Puritans who were in charge, and they were being very unpleasant to people who weren't of their faith. So sometimes the people that are seeking asylum or seeking a reliquary are the people that are trying to actually escape. What could be considered their just desserts? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, the children of those people are like, "Hey, I didn't do nothing of this. You know, <laughs> why am I getting punished for?" And, and that, that's the sin, that's the son suffering the sins of the father. Exactly. Yeah. And and, yeah. and and I'm talking. You know, and and every day we hear of an example of that. So yeah, 
It's, uh, but yeah, yeah, I can see it as a big motivator. All right. Because no matter what you're doing, we have to assume that setting up a, a real colony, you know, uh, a permanent colony is going to take a lot of money. Much like, again, going back to the expanse, uh, the uh, uh, Church of Latter-day Saints, uh, the Mormons, they had they built a giant starship to go to another uh, solar system for them to s set up their own colony in another star system. You know, and I'm, I, since I didn't read the books, I'm not exactly sure why they felt compelled to do that. I think it was kind of like, you know, a, a message from God saying, you need to go do this. And so they built this ship. Uh, now, what happened to that ship is, is, is part of the interesting thing about the story of the Expanse. And again, I won't mention that, <laughs> but they definitely had to build this ship and all that went into it. It was a big, big job. And a lot of Mormons, you know, spent a lot of money <laughs> getting this ship ready to go. So uh, there's a lot of money involved. So there, you know, it, it's not going to be done as a, you know, that's what I'm saying. What are the, what are the, Bind, binding. What are the justifying reasons for setting up a colony? Okay, and you're saying as a reliquary, and I think that's yeah. perfectly fine. I, you know, I, we, we've talked about, you know, it's stupid to have all our genetic uh, eggs in one planet basket. Sure. Yeah, I, I, as I said, I'm probably going to bring up Robotech a lot because I've, you know, I've run several Robotech campaigns, and one of the things... And I know Expanse uh, better than I know Robotech, which is why I keep going back to Space. Yeah, and so... Okay, after the reign yeah. of death and the Macross saga, you had the global initiative where, yeah, we need to get colonies going because we were wiped out by, almost wiped out by the Zentradi, ones that came, Dole's fleet. So at least 10 colonies were started up in like 15 years, and a lot of them were within 40 light years. I think there's a few, and of course it's different people. Use, so I'm seeing, oh, it's 400 light years, but... Most of them I've seen, they're within 40-ish light years. And there is one actually, there's more than a few actually, and my other thing I talked about, cultural concentration. I did the research, again, building up the, my thing of information for future Robotech campaigns. And I'm seeing a lot of Chinese-Mongolian, Arabic. There's a Japanese one. Um, they just put Anglo, which we're assuming... European uh, culture and just they have and they they partition them all off and a lot of these and of course a mixture of Zentradi who just happen to go with them but yeah cultural con um, concentrations where they may have felt persecuted just because of their culture and so okay here we go we have our own planet and we have our architecture that right. harkens back to our ancestry and yeah right now it's time to start killing ourselves well yeah because that's what we do <laughs> we don't have anyone else to hate. So, That's right. Yeah, we, got we, we, we we'll, we'll find some some way of 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 of, of identifying a group within our, ourselves that we can hate because that seems to be a thing. Okay. Um, all right. So there's that. Okay. Um, what uh, one of the reasons that a lot of colonies were made in a lot of these big star-faring novels and, and, and sagas and things like that, where they were essentially uh, tripwires. They were set at the border of, of, of what was considered to be the, you know, the, the borders of the controlled area of Earth, you know, because usually terror of the Terra Federation, and whatever those places were. Because when we started abutting, you know, others 
other um, concentrations of alien life, usually there were borders drawn, like between, you know, Starfleet and the Klingons, okay? And yeah. so on these border, what they call border worlds, which are just basically worlds that are along the border as they're currently le uh, defined, they, they existed for a couple of reasons. One was to basically say, well, you know, if suddenly we stop hearing from them, then in, and we send a, a scout out there and everybody's dead, then we can assume that somebody's ag acting aggressively toward us. Okay. Or there's some giant crystalline being that's come down and eaten everybody on the planet. But, right, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you have to figure those sort of things out. The second thing is, is that, of course, it's a group of people who can just hop into spaceships and flee closer in to the main core of the play, uh, of, of the Federation and uh, and let and warn them that this aggression is coming. So essentially they are uh, early warning uh, and they also identify where the border actually is. you know well then you add the whole thing with um, the Maquis and the demilitarized zone between the Federation and the Klingons where that was all disputed territory and you had all the wars going on and that was a big plot line for both DS9 and what started Voyager. So, yeah, you had these worlds that at any time, hey, guess what? You're a Federation world. Not today, you're not. Oh, crap, we're back to the Cardassians. Oh, oh, in the Federation again next week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so as a result, you know, you've got these worlds, you know, and, and I'm always like, you know, can you, uh, how exactly did they get people to go and be colonists on these worlds? Okay. <laughs> because, you know, did they just not tell them? Did they say, oh, yeah, you know, go to the outer colonies, you know, where life is easy and you'll have your own replicate to serve all of your needs, however, you know, uh, how, whatever they may be, you know, and life is easy. Come out to the coast. We'll have a few laughs. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, you know, it, I mean, it's 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 yeah. like a multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> you know, and they get people to sign up, and they oh they great, it's Amway with Starship. Yeah, and yeah. they ship them out, and they get there, yeah. and you know, I mean, if you're this kind of a base, I mean, the only reason you're there is to act, you know, is to is to keep your eyes open, okay? And maybe you'll have some people piggybacked onto it for like, you know, um, space examination and uh, astro, you know. Uh, mapping and all those other things like that. Okay, but mostly you're, 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 you know, the reason you're there is to act as a honeypot. I mean, you're literally, um, you know, you're you're that goat that they tie up, you know, outside yeah. the, uh, uh, the 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 T Rex paddock in uh, uh, Jurassic Park, you know, <laughs> and it's just bah, bah. <laughs> like I don't know what's going on, but it's great living here because I get paid all this money and stuff. So, yeah. uh, and, and if your if your colony lasts long enough, like a generation or two, then you know and enough long enough for people to have been born there, then you know they have roots. They will also be a defense force, right? Well, it's time. You know, it, it, again, it depends on how easy it is to big, bring people out. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, eventually uh, the colony will grow to a point where they become a, they can be, as you say, they can provide for their own defense and they know, and at which point you can then have discussions about, you know, should the border be moved a little further out now that we can basically fight off anybody who tries to take this planet away from us. 
you know, or if it, you know, it, there's enough infrastructure there, we can use it as a launching pad for our own attacks into your territory. So, right, maybe give it some space. Right. So, like I said, you know, so it can act as an early warning uh, or identifying a border, or again, as you just mentioned, it can be a staging area for uh, imperialism. Sure, that can happen. And when we talk about borders, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, millions of light years away. I mean, it maybe it could just be a group of stars that are 40 light years across, you know, from one to the other. So, you know, or, or from maximum distance away from Earth prime. It just depends on the tech we're talking about. How fast, you know, do spaceships go and, and how well is the communication? Because if it takes, you know, two years to get, you know, a communique from the... Uh, uh, the border back to the uh, central planets, you know, uh, you know, you, you're not controlling that area. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the thing with FTL is that we had the only time you got information was when a ship dropped off a mail packet. There was no faster than light comms in FTL 2448. So, yeah, you were out there. You're on your own. You had to make sure you were sufficient. And I would think in that game. You were given enough supplies to start out. You, you know, you built your colony, you got to self-sufficiency, and then basically ICL would come back in six months. How you doing? Oh, good. There's still people there. Okay, we'll be, here's some mail. Yeah, we'll be back another six months. Peace. You know, and just, yeah, you were kind of just there left to your own devices. Now, if you have, uh, what is it? It's PL9 Ansibles, where it's, you know, pretty much like subspace radio in Star Trek. Yeah, you can just call back and you might have a few minutes lag at the most, but you can just call back at any time. Yeah, we got some problems out here, send some people, you know. Yeah. So the big thing about colonization would be your capacity for interstellar communication, I think would be the major, because if you're just going to throw people out there and just let them survive, yeah, that sounds an awful way, awful like, you know, a prison planet. Well, well nobody, I mean, nobody would do that. Like, the age yeah. of sail on our own world where, you know, you know, back was like during the age of like, you know, Elizabeth and, and later Kings, you know, where they would send out the colonies and, you know, it could be months before you heard anything. And that was, you know, when somebody from the colony came back and, you know, said, Hey, yeah. that over yeah. here. It took, yeah. a month to, it took a month to sail between England and Australia. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, that you kind of answered one of the ways of, of, of populating these border worlds, and that is by sending your criminals out there. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. and criminals covers everything from, you know, people who are, have too many traffic tickets to, you know, uh, total sociopaths. Uh, hopefully yeah. they would, like, you know, be very careful about that. And well, let's also not forget the political dissidents. Oh, yes. yes. Just, oh, well, yeah. yeah, which which is, is I think is great because, you know, those people are actually the best thinkers. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that would fall back under religious and cultural concentration. Just we don't like your yeah, ideology. It, we don't like your culture. We don't like your religion. Hey, look, there's a planet. Go it, there. It kind get of out of our face. Who's paying for the ship? Is it is it, I'm paying for my own ship or is the government paying for the Just ship to, to take get us the, get well, the, the hell and, out of there. Unless yeah. you're the head of a multinational corporation, I don't think you're paying for your ship. As far as a call, and I shouldn't say ship, you're paying for your colony. Okay, right. it's it's a big, it's a much 
bigger thing to do. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, you know, if, if it is, if you are populating your, you know, if all you're doing is, is creating a honeypot, then yeah, you can send all these really retrobate type people out there and just let them like, you know, eke out a living like, you know, oh. all, all the people in Escape from New York. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. And it kind of mixes the prison and the uh, border eyeball world. Tell you what, we're going to put you on a ship. We need people on this planet. Now, if you spend five years sustaining the colony and keeping an eye out at our borders, we'll give you the plot of land. Your sentence is commuted. You're good to go. Your record's clean. You live your life. We won't bother you. You won't bother us. And you, you're you're free and clear. But you have to do this. We're going to send you this world, and this is what you're going to do. Or you can say that you know it's going to be considered part of your you know part of your sentence, and if you complete your yeah. whatever your sentence is, you can come back. Oh yeah, but or, but or, but yeah, by that time, you know, unless you know, they're probably you're you will have established a family. Now yeah, you're that's not. What I mean. Now you're not going to want to come back because you. Yeah, they'll just give you the plot of land. It's like we'll give we'll partition a plot of land at your farm. You raise it uh, at yours. Why, why but, give Why give a criminal, even a, an ex-criminal, such a valuable thing as land? I mean, I don't. That don't make no sense. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's the thing. That land is on a planet near a system in a system that is on this border that has this other. It's like well. He can raise it and be fine, yeah. uh, or he, the opposing he, empire wipes him out. Either yeah, Jonathan, way, we're the reason, problem. Jonathan, the reason to do it is so the population will increase without having to ship them from another world. Oh, I'm not saying that they won't let them have the land. I'm just saying give them – this is where it comes into how evil your, your, your home civilization is. You know, They might give it to them free and clear just to help promote the colony and, and build it. Or they could, you know, put all sorts of strings and, and, and effectively make them, you know, a little more than sharecroppers. That was a term. Oh, that's a term I haven't heard in a long time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, because really, you know, when, when you go to another world, you know, whoever is behind setting up the colony essentially owns owns that world, owns that the land that you're controlling. So, yeah. Uh, now... If you're doing like you know, uh, like what some of the colonies in America, they were all basically shareholders of the colony. If the if the colony did well, then they all got rich. If the colony did poorly, then they didn't do as well. And there were people that were back in England, for example, uh, who had provided money for them to go do this. And so sometimes they had to infuse more resources into the colony so they wouldn't waste all the money that it already spent, you know. And you know, and of course, here we are today. That that model seemed to work pretty well. So, uh, but we're still at this point talking about you know a place, basically an early warring border, you know, place like that. Okay. Uh, so we've talked primarily about the reasons for having colonies, what these colonies would primarily be there for, and something about how, you know, they, you know, how they would be set up. Okay, but not in the nitty-gritty of governments or, you know, possibly, you know, uh, other, uh, sociological systems, you know, uh, well, economic, the economic we were kind of talking about, but that was between the colonies and everybody else. 
okay, not within the colony itself. So, okay, and we will talk about that next time, but you'll have to wait <laughs> until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.